Hey, what's up? And welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SotoCast. The first, the best, and the only X-Files podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I'll be the believer with you this evening. And with me, as always, is absolutely, positively, nobody. Because they are a skeptic and a fool for never giving the X-Files a chance. Though, I'm starting to understand where they're coming from. No, Ben! Bad X-Files fan, bad. But they've been wasting episodes. No, Dave, remain positive. Sorry about that. If this is the first time tuning into Smaller on the Outside, this is a TV podcast that talks about a different TV show per podcast season. Uh, Typically speaking, we usually discuss Doctor Who, hence the title of the podcast, but we also take liberties in discussing a variety of other shows in the meantime. We've talked about other shows like Sherlock 24, 24 Live Another Day, Almost Orphan Black, and now The X-Files, which I want to remind everyone is only a six episode run season. Let me repeat that. This is only a six episode run season. And normally on a show like this, you have 22 to 24 episodes. That's 22 to 24 chances to get a well-balanced TV season with both Monster of the Week episodes as well as mythology-centered episodes. Season 10 of The X-Files is only six episodes. That's a quarter of a normal TV season, which means in my my honest opinion, in order to bring balance to the force, they needed three Monster of the Week episodes and three Mythology episodes, the very least. But personally, I would prefer like all Mythology episodes. I know the X-Files needs Monster of the Week episodes, but I'll get into uh, my thinking about that in a, in a little bit. This brings me to the reason why I skipped recording a podcast last week. To put it lightly, I was a little aggravated, and I'm not, I'm even more aggravated this week. Today, I'm I'm posting a double podcast going over both last week's as well as this week's episode. It shouldn't take too god-awful long considering how aggravated I've been. That being said, these episodes are still fun. You know, they're still good generic episodes, but in a six-episode run season, you have to knock it out of the park every single time. Every single time. Because when it came right down to it, the mythology in the normal series came down to probably six episodes per season as is, which doles this one down quite a bit. I'm disappointed because the first episode was explosive. It's probably my favorite episode I've ever seen the X-Files do, period. Then, the last four episodes happen. Get into episode four, Home Again. Home Again. Now, what I've started to do before watching these things is come up with my own idea of what the episode will be about based on the title alone. Not that that's what it's going to be. Not that it's what I want it to be. It's just something that I do that is fun. Home Again. What could that mean? Well, initially I thought about the agents back in the FBI again. But since that already happened, like the first frickin' episode. Scratch the idea. Then I thought about zombies, The walk since The Walking Dead is back and everything, and zombies coming home again, quote-unquote, to eat the flesh of their families. Regardless of what I thought, I was way off. Didn't think I would be on or anything. Just would be kind of cool if I was. But anyways, this episode, Home Again, starts off in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. It's where I spend most of my days, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cooling on, shooting some b-ball outside of school, when a couple of guys, they were up to no good, started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little fight. My mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and Uncle Muller. 
just kidding. But no, really, the episode actually does start in West Philly, where an agent of HUD, which is the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, is cleaning up the streets or something. I don't know what he's doing. But whatever the case may be, he is being a total tool, and he's just a jerk. Um, and that's when a garbage truck pulls into the street and lets out a very large man, a very large, creepy-looking man. He walks up to the man from the HUD, takes both his arms, and rips him straight apart for returning back to the garbage trunks of which she came, and he drives off, which goes right into the intro credits. So, Agents Mulder and Scully are called into the scene to investigate, not only because FBI has jurisdiction over a federal employee's murder, but because this case itself is mysterious and spooky, which is perfect for them because they are the X-Files. The footprints, the footprints left behind have no ridges, no footprints, no fingerprints, but it's obviously a foot with toes and everything. It's not sock, it's not a shoe print, a footprint. It just doesn't have any actual footprint that makes any sense, which would sound completely impossible because it is impossible. But while investigating the scene, Mulder notices a painting across the street that somewhat resembles the large killer. Not that Mulder knows that or anything. He just notices a painting across the street and says, hey, maybe that person over there saw something because they painted this last night, probably somewhere around the time the murder happened. Meanwhile, Scully gets a call from William. Oh, not her son, her, her brother, William. He calls to tell her that her mother has had a heart attack and is now in the ICU. Um, so Mulder watches the security footage of the murder, which conveniently stops working when the man is about to get killed. Pretty much, that's how it always works in movies and TVs. Um, but that's when Mulder actually realized that the painting across the street only happened to show up the day or the night the murder happened. So he immediately assumes that whoever put that painting up saw something, even though it looks like to be at least two, three miles away. Anyway, Scully heads to the hospital where her mother is staying while Mulder goes to chat up some homeless chaps. On one side, you have the group that's trying to shoo them out so they can rebuild the area and another group that wants to help them and serve them turkey dinners or take it this way. Both of these people believe that they're uh, helping the homeless in one way or another. But in reality, Mulder's realizing something. They're really just all about themselves and they're really serving themselves, not the homeless. So he wants to know who is it actually serves and helps the homeless, which is when one of the homeless actually comes out and answers him. He says, the Band-Aid Nose Man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, people. Not only is this a Monster of the Week episode, but it's about a monster villain known only as the Band-Aid Nose Man. Yeah, this ought to be a good episode. Which, this is all, you know, interesting because Mulder actually found a band-aid at the crime scene. So he had that analyzed and finds out that the material material attached to it is neither alive or dead. Which baffles the crap out of the scientists. Meanwhile, the band-aid nose guy kills another group of people that laugh about making money from the homeless. It's a very, very random scene. Actually, the only reason the entire scene uh, occurs is for the agents to find out that the painting was made by a known only as the trash man okay so we got two main characters here two main bad guys that i guess is we're just expecting to be bad we have the trash man and the band-aid nose man yeah i don't know if you got my point on that one it's just this is uh going all over the place anyways the band-aid nose man shows up at somebody else's house and kills her this was a lady from earlier gloating about feeding the homeless turkey dinner got it um that's all you really need to know about this okay the the band-aid nose man give you a clear picture 
picture, he's just a really tall, skinny guy. He looks ugly. He looks like they painted a bunch of just goop on his face um, and just goes around. He's incredibly strong because he's like a giant and he just grabs people and rips them apart. That's all you need to know about him. That's his entire reason for living. Okay, so he just does that throughout the episode. Anyways, at the hospital, Scully's mom wakes up for an instant, looks over at Mulder, who had just joined Scully at the last minute, and she tells him that her son's name is William as well. Then she dies. That's right. Um, it, I know I've been kind of glossing over the fact that Scully's mom's in the hospital and everything, and that's like the most important part of the episode. But really, plot-wise, nothing really happens other than Scully crying over her mother who's dying. And that's really all you need to know. Um, other than that, uh, her mom's been acting a little strange. She's been ignoring Scully. I don't know if you can call it ignoring, but it just seems like that because she responds to one of her sons calling her. She responds to Mulder, but she doesn't respond to Scully at all. I'm guessing that's just writing, but it just seems stupid. I don't know. She's she's uh she's upset. Scully's upset because her mother's last words were about their child that they gave away. They had to kind of recap you once again. Every single episode has been about William, and William is a big thing in this episode. And anyways, the death of her mother rattles her, and she just wants to just forget about it and just go to work. Go to work. <laughs> which leads them back to the science lab where the scientist discovers what kind of paint was used in the painting. And get, guess what, guys? That kind of paint is only sold in one shop in town. So they go there and guess what they find? Someone buying that paint. And that someone buying the paint is the guy they're looking for, which is really convenient. Uh, just Their work was just like that. In reality, they'd probably be staying out there for days waiting for the guy to buy the paint. And even then, somebody else probably buys the paint too. Just saying. So they stock them out. They follow them. They follow him to a, a warehouse, a very dark warehouse. You ever notice in X-Files when they go to places that no one apparently pays for their electricity because the lights are always off? Well, the same thing goes here. They go in the warehouse. It's real, real dark, so they turn on their flashlights. And yes, people, they cross hairs. The, the flashlights cross each other, and they create a very obvious X for the X-Files, which is kind of cool. And all the posters and everything, they always have uh, the agents creating an X with the uh, glow of the flashlights, which they've never actually done on the show, and I'm actually glad that they did it. But it was a little tacky. Um, deep in the underbelly of this place, they find the trash man, and they figure out that he's an artist that uses trash to create art, which comes to life. Okay? Um, to give you an idea, why why is his art coming to life and nobody artists? There's a couple of reasons. He's a very passionate person. Um, he takes things that people throw away that could obviously be important to them, takes those things, and he creates life from them. He creates something from what people deemed nothing. Um, and it's through this explanation that Scully starts having flashbacks to having William, to giving away William once again. We get it. We get it. If William doesn't sh end up showing up by the end of the season, I am going to shoot someone in the face because it's been obvious this entire season that William is a big part of the show. Um, and since it's only six episodes, I expect to see him either next episode or the episode after. Just saying. Just saying, guys. Anyways, this is a 
very, very important scene because it's very metaphorical. He's talking about things that you throw away. Either that be people. That's why he's talking about the homeless. Uh, he sees the homeless as people that were thrown away, that were once important to somebody else, but they threw them away. That's why they're homeless. And no, it didn't have anything to do with homeless making bad choices and ending up homeless. It had to do with people making judgments and not um, seeing others as important anymore. So they toss them away and they end up making bad choices and going homeless or whatever. It has to do with throwing out people. It has to do with throwing out things, objects, whatever. Uh, because honestly, anything that somebody throws away can be important to them or to somebody else. Thrown away, it's treated like garbage. The metaphorical term of garbage, it's just crap. Um, so when he creates it, it's a lot of passion and emotion into his art. And then it comes to life. It's very metaphorical, but I, I like it. It's kind of like Frankenstein, actually. Um, so his art comes to life and it kills people. Why does it kill people? Because he's mad at people for tossing people out, um, treating people like garbage. He's mad at them for that. So his he's the garbage man. He makes the Band-Aid nose man kill others. It, it's unintentional. He doesn't really mean to. Um, but these monsters are very primal because of his primal disdain towards others for treating others like they do. So it makes sense. Um, so once again, it came down to these two groups of people in the beginning. There was the girl who wanted to serve people turkey dinners. She's already dead. We know that. And now there's the businessman who likes to shoo the homeless away to create other businesses. It's his turn to die. Ding, ding, ding. Can Mulder and Scully save this one, though? Throughout the episode, they haven't been able to save anybody. Can they save this one? Because as far as I know, he's the last victim that we know of that has to die. Can they save him? Of course not. They're about two seconds too late and the man is torn up in several pieces and the artist, who known as the trash man and the band-aid nose man apparently also escape. And the next scene, or the last scene rather, has um, Mulder and Scully meeting up at a beach where they have a heart-to-heart -heart about the death of her mother, about William and the sacrifice they made to keep him safe, but she can't help thinking of him, which I guess makes her feel a little bit guilty and incomplete. She needs to know that they didn't treat him like trash. Ha, get it? Of course I do. It's metaphorical. The whole episode was. And uh, of course they didn't stop the band-aid nose man. That's very important. Okay. This episode, as far as plot goes, as far as part as villain goes, as far as story structure goes, it was very weak. Okay. Um, as far as bad guys versus good guys, this was a very weak episode because they had a very clear, very clear villain, a very strong villain that is like insane. They don't stop him. They don't save anybody from dying. They don't really even seem to have any reaction to the fact that they didn't stop him. They just go to a beach and hang out. As far as that goes, it was weak. As far as the metaphors go in the episode, it was very strong. Because if you think about it, um, that whole thing about throwing people out, the homeless are created by others who don't value them, is actually very strong. It's very unique. And I, I mean, I agree with it. I, I have a thing about homeless people as well. And I think um, they are disregarded as actual people. So as far as metaphors go, this is a very strong episode. It's a very emotional and heartfelt episode, and I, I appreciate it for that. But at the same time, like I said before, aggravated. I'm aggravated because it's another Monster of the Week episode. That's now three in a row. Um, and I'm recording this right before I see the second to last episode, the fifth episode.
episode. The penultimate episode, as a lot of people say. The penultimate episode, if you don't know, is supposed to be the episode before the finale. It's, in a lot of the cases, the penultimate episode is the best episode of a season because in the finale finale, it winds down a little bit. It it feels more complete. But for X-Files, I would say the penultimate episode is more like the finale because the X-Files is one of those shows that ends a season on a cliffhanger. Do I think this season is going to end on a cliffhanger? Yes, I do. Because Chris Carter, man, let me tell you, you have a lot of, you have a lot of viewings here, okay? Um, and you had a lot of numbers, which means that there's a good chance that the X-Files will return in some way or form or fashion. But you shouldn't return after like 15 years of being off air just to make a cliffhanger. I, it might make me mad if it, I see that. Because people return to, to see the show to actually see the truth that was out there. And when they uh, expressed interest in changing the mythology just a little bit in the first episode, it was explosive. It was insane. There was so much story that they can tell throughout the six episodes. And did they? No, they didn't. I have a feeling that the mythology episodes will be the beginning and the finale, and every other episode will be Monster of the Week. Why? Why is every single episode Monster of the Week other than the beginning and the finale? They have six chances. I don't know how often I can say this. How how much, how many times I have to say this, but you can't do that. People have been waiting to see this for years, and you, you kind of put let people down by having a, only a first and last episode be important. Yes. Monster of the Week episodes are fun. They are good. Especially when you only have these four episodes to talk about Monster of the Week. They are darn good for Monster of the Week episodes. I will say that. They are emotional. They are funny. They are everything you could ever want a Monster of the Week episode to be times 10. Which I guess doesn't help the fact that I don't want a Monster of the Week episode. I don't want the fifth episode to be a Monster of the Week episode. Like I said, I'm, I'm recording this before I see it, so it might not be monster of the week but uh, let's let's not be stupid here for a second it's obviously gonna be a monster of the week episode because why not you know why not um anyways i i i gotta go i'm gonna go watch the next episode here in a second before recording for the last podcast um but let's hope that the next episode's better has at least a little bit mythology in it because if it doesn't then i'm gonna be a little angry because when it comes right down to it guys can't we have a monster of the week episode that is also simultaneously a mythology centered episode why not does it have to be one or the other because apparently they think it does i don't know uh, at this point, I'm just ranting. Um, I'm going to watch the next episode here, and then we will continue the podcast. Intermission! Okay, so I just saw the quote-unquote penultimate episode of The X-Files, and the question on everyone's mind is, or at least should be, does it deserve the title of penultimate? And what I mean by that is, it could it be seen as one of the best episodes of the season, if not the best, because for so many other shows, that may be true, but I would wouldn't necessarily call this penultimate episode one of the best, but I would say it was still fairly great. Uh, in fact, you could easily watch this episode entitled Babylon and lose track of time. Uh, it, Like I said, I think it was actually a very decent episode, even though you could also describe it as fairly unnecessarily. Um, even though this was not uh, a Monster of the Week episode per se, you can still probably call it that because it's not mythology-centered. Um, just a standalone 
standalone episode uh, that was just kind of fun if you look at it as fun other than that it doesn't really move along the story of the season um, but it is just interesting to watch it so let's get into the fifth episode of the tenth season of the X-Files called Babylon okay so this episode is about terrorists something that is clearly not paranormal in nature but it'll get there I promise we start off on a Muslim going through his everyday rituals praying get, getting mocked by haters you know racist stuff which doesn't look too good for him because he simply goes into a building with a, a buddy of his and then blows it up with a suicide bomb and after the bombing you see all these people running around on fire pretty gruesome which then goes right into the intro credits and at the FBI office Mulder shows Scully a video of a religious claim people hearing what sounds like seven trumpets playing from the heavens making sure to talk about revelations where the Bible talks about the trumpets as a warning sign at the end of the times which I think could possibly be a foreshadowing to the next episode uh, but I'm not sure uh, this is when we are introduced to special agents Miller and Einstein two people that look and act like younger versions of Mulder and Scully guy is talking all about paranormal stuff it's his uh, entire reason of living I guess you could call it and his partner is a redheaded girl that's all about being practical and scientific and normal there are um, they are there to tell them that one of the terrorists has survived sort of technically speaking survived but he's completely brain dead I mean half his brain seems to be missing is it's like his he's like a cartoon character where his head was just hammered in so half of his skull is just caved in Miller believes that survived terrorist knows about a bigger sleeper cell in the area and they need to somehow speak with him uh, to figure out where this sleeper cell is located but the problem is he's in a coma so both Mulder and Scully have their own ideas on how to contact and speak with the man. Mulder's is obviously uh, comes from a paranormal routine, while Scully, well, you understand where she comes from. While agents and Miller and Einstein are about to catch their train to Texas, where terrorist is currently in a hospital, Scully calls Miller, tells him to meet her at Texas to go over her personal plan to speak with a man, while Mulder calls Einstein for the same reason, to have her meet him to talk about how to talk with the terrorist who is brain dead. When Einstein meets with Mulder, he ask if she first believes the idea that words or ideas have some kind of physical weight weight that moves people to kill other people uh, it's his description on how we perceive what weight means that changes into the perception in which we understand the world as is meanwhile Scully meets with Miller and says she's helping him because her own mother was recently in a coma so this was a personal quest for her to contact someone in a coma uh, Mulder, on the other hand, shows Einstein some magic mushrooms, something he wants her to administer to him so hard that he'll be able to speak to the terrorist in a, uh, I don't know, a, through with the mind. I don't know how, how magic mushrooms work. Let's just say that at first she shuts him down pretty hard. At the hospital in Texas, Scully lets Miller in on her plan, which is very scientific and actually pretty real. It's something that actually happened in real life. And through the use of magnetic imaging, or otherwise known as MRI, Doctors were able to talk to a coma patient through a yes and no questions uh, and a computer screen. Peter itself would light up for yes or no, and that's how they would communicate with him. So that's Scully's plan. Einstein shows up and realizes her partner is working with Scully. She gets a little uh, jealous, calls Mulder up to, I guess, get a little revenge and work with him. And when he arrives, she has the magic mushrooms all ready for him in the form of some pills. When Mulder and Einstein get up to the hospital room, Room. Mulder pops his
his pills and sits down with the terrorist, ready to experience the ultimate trip. Though he doesn't stay with him for long, no. In his trance, Mulder ventures out like Hank in Californication, having a grand old time, making friends with everyone, dancing in the clubs, hanging out with the lone gunmen. So I guess this might actually be answering our question as to the lone gunmen this season. We Some of us have heard, some of us haven't heard that the lone gunmen were showing up again in the in this season of the X-Files. The only problem with that was that the lone gunman uh, died pretty horrific deaths in one of the most recent seasons of the X-Files. Uh, and there was, I know Fox likes to bring people back from the dead with some really crazy explanations, I could say, but the lone gunman, I didn't care that they died and I was okay with them staying that way. So I was a little aggravated to hear that they would be showing back up in this season. Yes, yes, they are fan favorites. whoop de doo um, but this could be explained away with the fact that maybe they're, they could be alive because he's in a trance doesn't mean that they're not there, but he did see other people in the club that weren't there for sure. Um, so this could all just be him tripping out and they could still be actually dead. I guess we'll have to wait until the next episode, but I'm, I'm okay with them being in the episode just for that. Anyways, Mulder then still in his trance winds up where he actually needed to be the whole time and finds the terrorist who whispers something into Mulder's ears. Also, the cigarette smoking man was there for some reason. When Mulder wakes up in the hospital, he is met by Skinner and Einstein who inform Mulder that he didn't actually have any magic mushrooms at all. It was just niacin capsules um, Einstein administered to him as a placebo effect, which Mulder is like, no, no, that's not even possible. What I experienced was powerful. Um, and Einstein says, yeah, a powerful power of suggestion, but that's about it. And it can't really be possible because while he was being wheeled out of the hospital, Mulder does notice a woman outside the hospital, which is the terrorist mother. He takes her into the hospital room to be with her son, which right after that, her son then dies in the hospital bed something like the last episode. Uh, but Mulder is convinced the man spoke to him in, in his trance. He doesn't know what he said because in, it was all in Arabic. So Mulder repeats what he could to the best of his ability because he has no idea what words mean. And thankfully, Agent Miller knows Arabic so he could translate, which turns out to be uh, the Babylon, Babylon Hotel, which is where the hidden terrorist cell was located. Uh, so the FBI was able to infiltrate that hotel and take down the terrorist cell. So actually this episode, they were able to do something and actually stop the bad guys, unlike the last episode. We end the show once again on a heart-to-heart from Mulder and Scully who are now okay with walking hand-in-hand. How cute! Mulder then hears the seven trumpets that we heard in the beginning of the episode, but Scully doesn't. I don't know if that means anything or if it doesn't, but what we know is that Mulder heard the trumpets, which is probably an omen to the end of times, but also probably an omen to something bad that's going to happen in the next episode, which is the finale, um, which I believe is called my struggle too and i'm pretty sure that it's going to have the same uh feel as the first episode probably going to be another explosive episode which is kind of weird because episodes two three four and five uh were all kind of light-hearted kind of humorous kind of 
heartfelt here and there, but the first and last are all over the place and a complete change, a swift change and in, into a different feel for the show, which I don't know. That's why I wanted the actual mythology episodes throughout the season be in either every episode or at least mentioned in every episode because they really weren't. This You can really watch this season um, pretty easily. All you had to actually do is watch the first and last episode. You only even know that the second, third, fourth, or fifth happen. Uh, I, I, that's just a guess. They might mention something that happened in one of the episodes, but none of these episodes are really important in the long run. Only the first and the last episode. So if you are a fan of X-Files, go ahead and watch everything because these are the same characters you you know grew up and love. But if you don't, if you just are interested in the mythology of the episode, um, all you really ever have to do is watch the mythology episodes, which there's something like 30 to 40 episodes that cover mythology. And then now, so all you have to do is watch those 40 and then watch the first and last episode and you'll be all caught up in what actually matters in the X-Files. I really wish they, they would go into the mythology a little bit more than they have, but whatever. So uh, that was the ultimate episode, as as it were. Um, obviously, this is a very short podcast episode because in the long run, these are very unimportant episodes. They're just kind of fun and to watch. Like I said, they're pretty good episodes just in general, but in the long scheme of things, you really are only watching The X-Files to see the beginning and the end of the season. So uh, until next week when we see My Struggle Part 2... Uh, my name is Dave, and this was the Smaller on the Outside, otherwise known as SotoCast. I was a believer with you this evening, and with me as always is nobody, because they're skeptic and a fool for never giving the X-Files a chance. So until next time.